1: What's up, everybody? And welcome again to another episode of IGN Game Scoop, the only video game podcast that exists out there in the universe, despite the fact that IGN alone has several others. But anyway, <laughs> I'm your temporary host, Tina Amini. I was told not to apologize for filling in for Damon on the show, which honestly, listeners, was very supportive. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that, especially because turns out I'm going to be here next week, too. So buckle up. We've got a great show for you guys today. Um, we've got a bunch of listener topics that I want to get to. Thanks so much for sending that in. But first and foremost, man, did we have a big day from PlayStation. Uh, about an hour-long conference where they just went game back to back after game. Uh, lots of new announcements or updates on recently uh, new announcements. Um, a couple remasters in there. Uh, but yeah, I want to hear from you guys. What did you guys think? What's your impression?
2: And right off the top, I can't help but thinking now that Xbox has Bethesda, and I've been thinking about that all summer and how big of a deal it was, Sony's doubling down on Marvel and exclusives, and it's like, it's unbelievable. Like, to see a Wolverine game, Insomniac, and then the new Spider-Man with Venom in it, like, those are two of the biggest characters that have ever existed for Marvel, right there. And then we had uh, uh, this Ragnarok, you know, story trailer, where at the end of it, it has a little copyright thing that says Marvel. And is it because they showed thor is there going to be a likeness in this like it that's oh, insane oh no. <laughs>
3: they say it's like <laughs> made god of war part of the mcu it's oh, crazy wow.
2: and those are again those are three exclusives and then on top of that of course there's guardians of the galaxy which is a game that's coming out it was just like really marvel heavy and like i hope they they should play
1: that up it's amazing it yeah, it's does feel sprint. like they play that up <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's a great strength by them, as we saw with Spider-Man. Like, I think that thing really sold PS4s, just being able to do the Spider-Man PS4, and Insomniac having a moment doing both Spider-Man and Wolverine. They've really cu- wow. cornered the market on
4: superheroes. I love, that's like, that's such an example of my favorite kind of video game announcement, where I never saw it coming in a million years, mm-hmm. but then the moment mm-hmm. it's announced, I'm like, oh, of course. Of course Insomniac doesn't need to be limited to just Spider-Man. Like, they can do any yeah. number of character action games, and like, you know, they're super different. Like Wolverine doesn't have the same sort of like athletic flippy dippy moves that Spider-Man has, but like I can totally see Insomniac doing Wolverine justice and giving us a really great Wolverine game. And, you know, as you said, Kat, kudos to them for sort of continuing. I don't know if we can call it a moment anymore. <laughs> it's just they've been super kick ass for a long time now. And I'm um, just going from strength to strength. And um I'm really excited to learn more. And I'm excited to learn if it's connected with... um you know, are they building their own sort of sub, sub-Marvel sub universe now?
3: I mean, you have to assume so because there was also another game that connects, oh, the new Marvel game by Firaxis that is connecting the X-Men and the uh, the Marvel characters, the Avengers, mm-hmm. and that is Firaxis's own version of the Marvel universe. So Disney, in an interesting kind of move, is saying, no, no, game developers, go ahead and just build your own version of our universe. It's fine. I like we'll be there, we'll give you some feedback and everything, but by and large, this is your vision. Go for it. That's kind of like the the lenience that comic book creators have
2: always had, right? Like you can always make an anthology series, you can always make a, a spin-off series for Spider-Man or Batman. There's always like four or five concurrent running series for some of the biggest uh comic books. And so like that's that's really awesome. Now I I've I've been the first person to complain before about likenesses and voices feeling really weird when i got really into the marvel cinematic universe and we're watching all those you know movies and shows now and so you know that's jarring but you know i'm I'm used to spider-man's universe and adding to that universe now could be really cool although they did just change how peter parker looks in that game too <laughs> but yeah the more close they get the closer that maybe like this licensing that i was just talking about with thor like we might be seeing the likenesses of, of MCU characters in these games form, which we saw a Yeah. I
3: just cool. talk really quickly about Wolverine, like the la Wolverine's brief history in video games. Like the last time we had a Wolverine game <laughs> right? was maybe in what 2008. was an action game. Was not very good? Game?
4: It was terrible.
3: Yeah, it wasn't great. It was based on the movie, if I recall correctly. So it has and a cool Easter was, egg
4: in it. That's right.
3: Yeah. It was very yeah. much of that moment. Yeah. Go ahead, Tina. <laughs>
1: I'm very curious where they're going to take Wolverine because, you know, the last time that we saw something really prominent just from his own character um, in the movie you uh, part of the universe was from Logan, and, you know, it was a much different take, and I think mm-hmm. it's, re- in general, really interesting to see the diversification of different types of um, Marvel representation in games, you know, working across these different studios and, like, taking on uh, different kind of structures. Like, I guess if it's less of... Because, Sam, I get your point of view about things not quite lining up with how we've become familiar with a lot of these characters. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if Wolverine is a little bit more of a personal take, like an individual take, and we follow this one, like very sculpted um, mocap kind of character, it could be really interesting. And it could be um, a nice, like singular uh, individual Wolverine
4: tale. I'm really hyped. Like, I I think the best shared universes are really the only ones that work are the ones that spring up organically and where they're not, trying there's not some suits in a boardroom like you know putting the pieces together like the dc cinematic universe so it's like spider-man came out was a massive hit they had the opportunity to make wolverine like fingers crossed they do that justice and then it's like man like we could be building up to some big insomniac crossover game in like six years i guess i don't want to get too far ahead of myself but like Mm -hmm. that that that's kind of where my head is at where like insomniac has this pedigree of success now and really has a formula down pat that like I hope that like we're starting to get the building blocks of, of you know bigger character action games down the line. But but you know, one thing at a time. Let's let's get Spider-Man mm-hmm. two and Venom and Wolverine out of the way first.
3: And honestly, it's time to bring the X-Men back. Bring back <laughs> okay. the nineties. Give the X-Men their time in the spotlight again. That spotlight has waned. We need all of the X-Men back. Don't let me down, Insomniac. It's time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's definitely happening, Um, assuming since we only saw a teaser and it was a brand new reveal for Insomniac's Wolverine. um, You know, they did mention that Spider-Man 2 is coming out in 2023. Uh, So I'm assuming that we'll see it in a year in the future um, (laughs) uh, after that point. Uh, We touched on God of War a little bit, um, but I want to hear what you guys think uh, from what we saw. It sounds like... Thor was confirmed, you know, it was a bit of a tease, uh, with his hammer being shown. And, um, after the showcase, they, they conducted a short interview just sort of discussing how this isn't going, despite the Marvel copyright, um, this isn't going to quite be the, like, goofier, affable love, uh, Thor that we've come to know in the MCU uh, movie universe, but more of like that grittier take a little bit uh more of a disaster zone considering we are talking about Ragnarok. They did confirm that it's God of War Ragnarok coming out in 2022. A couple other details before before I throw to you guys. Um it will be cross gen uh and it sounds like there's a $10 upgrade path. So this is mm-hmm. sort of the first indication of Sony sort of fully moving forward with uh not doing those um transitional like free upgrades anymore after the the last one that they relinquished out to the community. What I'm do we think about because- God of War?
3: Uh, On the upgrade pass situation, I'm surprised because Forbidden West, like there's a little bit of a to-do about having to pay for an upgrade Mm -hmm. and Sony had to backtrack and say, Mm -hmm. okay, no, you can get it for free. So they really want people to pay for those upgrades. It's a little bit like EA with their upgrade paths with their sports games. Now, if you want to get an upgrade, you have to buy the collector's edition, which is quite expensive. As for God of War itself, I think I was tweeting a little bit earlier that... Every time I'm like, "Ah, I I will play God of War Ragnarok, but I'm not like super hyped for it or anything. But then I watched this this trailer for it and we have the dog sled. It's like bringing me (laughs) back to God of War 2018. It's definitely continuing on from some pretty interesting threads. Atreus sounds like an adorable prepubescent boy at this (laughs) point now with his voice that is audibly cracking. It's great. Yeah. yeah,
1: he's he's clearly a little bit older and a little bit yeah. wiser, question mark, because mm-hmm. I think Kratos would make, might disagree based on that trailer.
2: <laughs> I can't tell if it's like a time jump to like 100 years in the future, because who knows how long it takes little kids to grow up when they're Norse gods, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think like this is a story trailer. So they show a bunch of new characters and they're introducing a bunch of new lore. Uh, Odin is mentioned and there's a few other teasers like that. And then Ragnarok is a, you know... A, event that is uh, covered in mythology. It's been covered in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a kind of spinoff way. And presumably this is about that. So I think that's interesting. What what's, what's funny about God of War to me is that the series has always been about meeting a bunch of like gods and mythological creatures and then Kratos kills them. Like that—that's what the series is. Like God of War one, two, three. Like the spinoff other games, and then and then even the last game, it's like you meet all the gods. They're all assholes, right? Because because they're gods. That's also there's good reasoning behind that. And um, they're like supposed to be models for how we should behave and shouldn't, and mainly shouldn't in this, these games. But like you know, you're introduced to all these things, and they all just look like boss fights to me now. Like I can't I can't take this story seriously very much. I'm just like, okay, how is Kratos going to kill Thor? How's Kratos going to take that hammer and shove it down his mouth, and then he gets electrocuted by his own hammer? Like, that's that's what's going to happen. And you know what? I'm I'm along for the ride. It's a pretty fun roller coaster for me. Not the biggest fan, but I'm along for it. Well,
1: based on uh, the the 2018 God of Wars boss battles, I would assume he does all of that through QTE action.
4: <laughs>
1: uh, well, That'd be consistent. I think
2: that's <laughs> true. It's true. They just showed him, like rash like some lizard thing where he brings or no no it was, it's a centaur he brings goes and starts punching it in the chest and like you're not doing that in the game that's like a QTB scene. that's exactly right you're,
1: you're jamming triangle yeah exactly <laughs>
4: well but it is like a really high fidelity i think you guys don't like god of war quite as much as i do because man, yeah. like i could that's not from get
2: like so speak for myself
4: <laughs> i could not get enough of that game and i think that was probably i think that was probably my second favorite game from last gen behind the witness um and and but but what's so exciting to me about the about that is it was fantastic like it deserved the accolades and the game of the year awards it got but it was fairly restrained like there wasn't much in the way of enemy variety like there wasn't much in the way of uh you know combat variety until kind of the twist in the back half of the game um you refought the same kind of troll mini bosses over and over so the game was fantastic i absolutely adored it but they have so much to build on like they have so many gameplay and story places to explore. And, and they even held back on North Norse mythology, as you said, Sam, like the number of gods and characters that didn't make any kind of appearance in God of war one. um, uh, But, but it never felt lacking. And so that, that's what makes it my most anticipated sequel of like, sure. Is it going to be just more like God of war, but more, but I, I think that they can really get away with it in this as, instance in a way that, maybe some other games can't just, just because of how much space there is left for them to kind of explore and and show off to us.
1: Yeah, and
3: going, okay. back, to, going back to God of War 2018, I mean, Sam was kind of goofing on the fact that it's like, yeah, you're going to go kill gods in increasingly ridiculous ways. But I think God of War 2018 did a really good job of rebooting the series and having a more thoughtful approach to its setup. And if there was one thing that drove me crazy about the original God of War trilogy was I just didn't think that it did a great job of handling Kratos's motivations. He mm-hmm. would make character development from game to game, but then that character development would all be always be reset in the name of increasingly gratuitous violence. <laughs> Whereas God of War 2018, he is obviously growing as a character. Atreus is a great foil for him, and he they are doing a much better job, I think, of growing the characters and setting up their motivations. Or the inevitable moment when they do actually go to war with Asgard. So, yes, it's going to be ridiculous as usual. But I think that God of War as a series has grown a lot and its storytelling does deserve some respect.
1: Yeah, super astute. And I think, you know, at the risk of possibly spoiling 2018's God of War, please tune out now if you have not played it. Although if you watched the trailer, this would have been spoiled anyway. Um, I, I think that it was very much just a discovery of that father-son relationship and a little divorce from some of the mythology and the story lore behind it. So, you know, because it leads up to it towards the end of 2018's God of War and really like leaves off on that cliffhanger. So God of War Ragnarok does feel like it's tripling into that now that that's been exposed um, now that Atreus is exposed to some of his background and you know where he comes from, and he's on this clear like journey to discover who he is and what that means for himself. Um, but we got a couple other confirmations that you know Odin mm-hmm. is certainly going to be making a return, and the giants uh, we saw in the trailer as well. So I think there's definitely a lot of um, you know different kinds of characters that we're going to be seeing that can dive into some of that context too. All exciting. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so out, outside of those big games that we we discussed, we made off the biggest reveal. I mean, it was a, just a short teaser, but people have been anticipating Kotor's remake for for quite a long time. It was a very short teaser confirming that it's coming to PS5. Um are we super excited as I anticipate we are? Yes. I have
3: questions. <laughs> <laughs> of course. What are what are
1: your top 5? Top 2. Well, <laughs> top two.
3: my big questions I think is that so it's being Remade question mark by Asper. They're really playing it up as a full blown remake. I have been hearing about it as more of a remaster than an actual remake. So I'm curious to see how this actually turns out. By all accounts, the visuals have been significantly upgraded, but maybe not as upgraded as, for example, a Blue Point game might, you might expect from say a Blue Point game or full blown remake. I, and plus, not only that, but the Jedi Outcast and Republic Commando remasters, they were okay. They were okay. They weren't amazing. They had plenty of problems, especially on the Nintendo Switch. So they're saying this is the most ambitious project by the studio to date. There mm-hmm. will be a lot of expectations on heaped on this because people have been wanting this game for a long time at this point. Mm-hmm. People are going, why didn't EA do this game? What? Where's our remaster? so experts so they better get it right or people
4: are going to be mad <laughs> that's that's my Very concern true. as well especially after how good and how perfectly mass effect threaded that needle of like update what needs updating but then still give you kind of that classic experience and and you know bioware was really thoughtful about it and, and in my opinion got it exactly right um and and aspire like look i've played and enjoyed many of their games over the years um so you know i don't want to be too dramatic about it but like they're not they're not they're not at the level of like a blue point and like i don't have that implicit trust in them to like completely get it exactly right to that same degree so yeah i guess you're right kat like i i maybe it is a little bit of like a wait and see approach but like kotor is a hard game to go back to and enjoy in 2021 especially if you're like a younger gamer that wasn't around when that was contemporary uh it's just a game really desperately in need of updating and so um I'm really excited that it's going to get a chance to sort of be back in the limelight. And I hope, like so many other remakes and remasters, we've, see- we've seen that this is a stepping stone to eventually get a full-fledged sequel.
2: Yeah, I, th- I would think that's what people want, not a, not a remake. But people I know are asking for a remake, too, so whatever. Uh, I've never really played much of this game. I tried to get into it, and it does not play well enough now for me to play that game. So like, there would have to be some significant upgrades to make that game fun and playable for me now. And I hope that's what happens. But it, I, as everybody's pointed out right now, I don't know if it's, it's pointing that direction, except I'm saying it's their biggest project. Now, one thing about this series that I've always been a little bit skeptical about is that it came out at a time where all Star Wars stuff for adults, at least was bad and it was good. And people really, really liked it, They're like, This is a cool Star Wars story. This is a cool Star Wars universe and we got nothing else. Uh, because people at that time, even though people have come around on them, did not like the prequels and there wasn't any cartoons going and there wasn't anything like that. So um I, I, I think that there might be a little bit of rose-tinted glasses for this game and, uh, you know, that's awesome if you want to replay it and you already love it, but like I don't know if like pulling in a new audience like myself is going to work with this. I'm a little sick of Star Wars. Um I've liked a lot of the recent movies too, and those are kind of, th- and I love Mandalorian and uh, stuff like that. So like I don't know. I don't know if I'm, this is going to be too interesting to me, especially with
4: the setting. Well,
1: yeah. I think you're in you're for a lifetime of star Wars. I mean, it is, <laughs> it,
4: it is a mass effect progenitor is like a way to think about it. Like when mm-hmm. Bioware was either prevented from, or chose to stop making star Wars games, they made their own star Wars and that's what the first mass effect was. And like, you feel that you feel that from like a character progression system and movement and skills cool. and um, you know, it, like Mass Effect, there's a world in which Mass Effect One is is Kotor Three, or you know, Two, if you prefer. Like that, yeah. you, you can draw a, dra- a direct line between them.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bridge in so many ways between the D and D version of BioWare when they were still making games like mm-hmm. you know Baldur's Gate and everything, all the way to Mass Effect, where they're <laughs> basically having the same kind of D and D move set, right, uh, when it comes to the actual turn based combat. But, of course, it was a huge move for Bioware to become the Bioware that we kind of know it today. And it was historically significant for its own time because it kind of inaugurated the movement of PC RPGs to console along with Morrowind. And, of course, back in the day, and this is the ironic part. It was a big Xbox exclusive, and this mm-hmm. one is going to be a PS5 console launch exclusive. <laughs> so yeah. I sort of feel like Sony is getting a little bit of a jab in there by leading with KOTOR, mm-hmm. once upon a time, Xbox one of Xbox's crown jewels. As for whether the game itself holds up, I do agree that it doesn't hold up as well as, say, Mass Effect, especially after the Legendary Edition. But I think the story is one of the best Star Wars stories that they've put mm-hmm. out. And the actual universe, the Old Republic universe, is a very different setting compared to what we got from the prequels, the original trilogy, even the expanded universe. There's a lot of untapped potential there. BioWare was really at the peak of their storytelling and world-building powers back in 2003, thereabouts. And if anything, I'm kind of hoping this works out. So that we can get a proper remaster of KOTOR 2 that brings in all of the cut content. Mm -hmm. Ooh.
4: You have to imagine that that's coming. Mm hmm. How do we know about the cut? What's that?
2: What's the background on the cut content? Just I just don't know. Oh, about that. Kotor. I, mean, I, I, I just, don't know if we
4: have time to get into the long version of They just
0: of
2: Obsidian, cut a bunch of content like, and told people They basically
3: that? cut the end. Yeah. Like, Obsidian didn't have enough time to finish this game. It was KOTOR 2. It was a bug-ridden oh, mess. Okay. There was large swaths of the end in particular cut, so a lot of people were pretty upset with how it ultimately ended, even though it was a kind of a weird and interesting take on mm-hmm. KOTOR, much more mm-hmm. so than the very straightforward Ah, uh, Kotor 1 from BioWare. People are like yeah. we want more. Now there are actually there are mods out there that do restore a good chunk of the cut content, but being wow. able to have a commercial release on console that would bring it all together, I think that's the dream.
4: That's cool. Yeah. I mean Kotor 2 is got to be it's a candidate, it's a top 5 candidate for like games like missed opportunity games. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's not it, it's very buggy and and it's incomplete. But you can see you can see that they almost got there. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, as far as um, you know, the remake remaster question for for Kotor for now, uh, it doesn't sound like we we know for sure. Um, just because you know, after during the post show, they had a bit of a conversation about it, and it was the sort of. Typical commentary you might hear from when uh, we're talking about remakes in general, a lot of like we want to retain what what people loved about the the original and just, you know, kind of update in a next gen kind of sense, but no specifics. So it sounds like we won't know for a bit um, as far as in general, just some of these like remasters and remakes coming up and that were shown at the showcase. Um, I, I get the impression that it's good for people transitioning between um generations of consoles. Despite the upgrade path uh being a little bit convoluted, um I imagine that you know it's it'll be a good experience for people to revisit some of the classics, some of the beloved games. Uh if you haven't played it. I haven't played Kotor back in the day, so this is a good opportunity for me and I'm looking forward to it.
0: This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the US. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learn a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. (laughs) Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks.
1: Um, other remake that I'm looking forward to also, uh, we can get into a little bit of the other, um, the other, maybe smaller titles, but still similarly exciting, um, from the showcase today. Uh, so I'll throw out Alan Wake remaster, Mm -hmm. uh, loved the original, super creepy, actually never finished it, uh, simply because I got stuck without batteries or ammunition and there was just a lot of shadow monsters on my tail. Uh, so I was trapped. I will probably be playing on an easier mode when the remaster Mm -hmm. comes out. Um, quick details, uh, this is marking the first time that Alan Wake is going to be on PlayStation, uh, and it's confirmed to be coming out on October 5th, which was actually part of a leak uh, sometime before this official announcement um, with its official release date coming about. So are you guys as excited as I am for the remaster? I am, no. yeah. <laughs> Not as excited, clearly. Nobody jumped to that one.
2: <laughs> no, I am. I just want, yeah, like I... This is another one that wasn't. Isn't this another one that's just snatched from Microsoft, too? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Well, oh, you know, yeah, it, that was a 360 yeah. back mm-hmm. in the day. This is just Sony just like quietly going, oh, we got this one and we got this <laughs> one, too. It's and an interesting like, whatever. Tactic. We got so many exclusive studios now, but it is pretty funny. It's a funny subplot, I think.
2: Yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. a subplot is a really good way to put it. Um, yeah, Alan Wake, I got to the same frustrating point that you're discussing. I think that's really interesting that you brought it up that way. And in this game, uh, the original, it was very good looking when there was enough light. And then when there wasn't, there it was really hard to figure out what was going on. I remember being in uh, long stretches of time where I was in like some like, you know, logging yard and just like probing each corner, trying to figure out where the heck to go. Like there are some problems with that games uh, and, and just kind of getting you stuck and annoyed. And so that stuff can be fixed. And then in general, that has like a cool, like Stephen King type vibe. It's like a, you know, it's a neat setting and it's spooky and it's about a writer, which we can all relate to. So that's cool. Um, and yeah, like, the, you know, it would it, be a good Halloween time game for me.
3: And yeah, the so forerunner to control. Are they set in the same universe? They're, I believe point? they are connected. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they are connected. I think that's canon. Mm
1: hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm excited about it, too, is because it's going to be it's it's setting up for the possibility of expanding the universe. And I only say that because um, when Remedy partnered with Epic Games, they said that they were going to be working on two games from the franchise, one that was a AAA multi-platform game and another that was a, a smaller scale project. So if you assume mm-hmm. that the remaster is a smaller scale project, perhaps the uh, the bigger one in the universe is going to be Alan Wake, Two. Uh, yeah. So that's like the sort of the the context, the subtle context here to this announcement too, the kind of extra bonus news.
3: That's interesting, Tina. Do you think Alan Wake 2 or Control 2 would be the bigger name among people? Because, I mean, Control, I think, is fresher in people's memories and it kind of grew a lot um, after its release.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they, they kind of call Alan Wake a classic, like a bit of a cult hit, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows, with the remaster coming out, uh shortly, very very soon around the Halloween season, uh maybe we'll get some renewed and modern love for, for Alan too. Yeah, well, we gotta show love for writers. Hell yeah. Um who control- narrate their own lives. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. And I think that there's there's like a book in it as like a central thing. And like that could be an object of power, right? Like they could really actually tie these back together in an interesting way with uh with you know, adding stuff like that in. Um I think control, like despite Maybe all of their expectations and many people's is like surpassed Alan Wake in, in being significant. I think it's really like I mean, it won a Game of the Year award from us, and since then it's uh, it, it when, when there's updates and things of that nature, uh, people are playing it more and more and more, and I, I just think it's like uh, it's re- attained a wider audience, and so it'd be really cool to take what Control added uh, into that spooky universe and apply it a little bit back to Alan Wake, whether that happens in a remake or into neat stuff
3: think if you look back on the history of Alan Wake one of the reasons it appealed to people back in the day was that there weren't a lot of games that featured a nerd kind of a writer who's in a supernatural environment You had the flashlight out had a had a real vibe that stood out from your kind of typical space marine shooter that was very prevalent at the time these days it doesn't stand out quite as much but Remedy has a great reputation and Alan Wake really stands out in a lot of people's hearts. And so I do expect people, especially those who really got into that universe through control Mm -hmm. to be, to at least pick it up um, out of curiosity. I'm curious to see, especially given that it had a really fraught development, how well it holds up in the modern day. Cause even at the time people are going, very good but it does have some of its problems
2: well, that was my it's attitude, kind of type. like the prototype for walking simulators right and i know that's a pejorative <laughs> term but those are some of my favorite games so i don't care i'll just own the term uh, i like walking and i like walking simulators uh, but no i it, it because it's a story-driven uh, uh exploration-based not very shooty game you know, you just don't. That's not the point of that game. A lot of the stuff you're doing in that game is, is shining a flashlight on stuff. And by the way, if there's one thing that next gen is doing better than other stuff right now, it's flashlights. We got those down. They look really good now. Retracing
3: <laughs> tracing, Diffused
1: lighting. People Fused love it. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
1: That's the prime example for it. Um, Justin, you said that you were concerned about the game? Oh, no. I just agreed with, like,
4: the, the mixed reception at the time it came out. I've never, I've never gotten Alan Wake. I played the game and thought it was mediocre. <laughs> So that was it. I didn't really need to say that out loud, but oh, uh, There's some <laughs> mean
3: fakes in this episode. Sounds like, screw KOTOR. Justin's all like Alan <laughs> wake. It's mediocre. We're yeah. dumping a god of war.
4: I think it's like, a, it's from a storytelling perspective, like you're right. Interesting protagonist, you know, really interesting sort of unreliable narration from the protagonist and all that stuff's really cool, but the gameplay. I mean, I'm not interested in playing this game. That was my attitude at the time, but that was, you know, whenever that game came out like a decade ago. So it's like, it's a nice opportunity to revisit it and see if I feel different.
1: Yeah. It, it actually probably isn't too much up your alley, Justin, just because it fundamentally is like a survival horror game. So there's just a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, jump scares, a lot of item scarcity and, and, you know, all of the things that come along um, with horror games, but I always, appreciated the the specific morbidity of all of Remedy's games there's just like such a creepiness and a mystery to it all but also embedded in these kind of like fantastical worlds or at least concepts and it all just comes together in a in a setting I really appreciate um, but there were so many other games on on Sony's showcase today so what else stood out to you guys what were some of the biggest surprises I don't
3: know about surprise but Forspoken is an interesting subplot going on right now because it's been in multiple streams at this point. I do not detect a lot of hype around this game. I'll be honest. Every time it's one of these streams are done, I'm like, yes, Forspoken. That looks like an interesting game. And then it goes completely out of my head. I completely forgot about it. It has some big names attached. It has Gary Whitta as one of the writers. I, I forget. There's another fairly big name that's attached to writing it as well. The graphics look very nice. They're obviously really pushing it with the marketing books and everything, but I'm just, it's not getting any discourse and I'm wondering why. Is it because it's a new game? It's not superheroes because Square doesn't have an amazing track record with these kind of AAA Western experiences, even though it gets made by a Japanese team. I could be wrong, but yeah, like I'm just trying to figure out like, why isn't Forspoken catching with people?
4: I don't get it either. I mean, when I watched this trailer, it looked awesome. I'm like, yep, this looks very much like it like it looks gorgeous. I, I think the protagonist is interesting. Um, and um I think the traversal system looks interesting. I and mean, look at this B roll, it's gorgeous. And so to me, it's like right up there with like the coolest upcoming games, and um and uh I'm not I I, I don't quite understand either, but my, my hype level's definitely never mm-hmm. been higher than than following this sort of this is the first time getting like a deeper look at the game.
3: Mm -hmm. it's a a new IP like people always say I want something new I want something original well here you go you got something brand new that's not based on existing IP let's go support it
2: the world looks really pretty too like I was really surprised with some of the the environments they're showing and like how much there is there and I hope it's kind of open world exploring
1: yeah it looks like you have a really wide range of different for lack of a better word like magical abilities or you know whatever the bracelets and cuffs are doing for her um, and the traversal around this world, like, actually, it kind of reminded me of the Unreal Engine um, 5 tech demo. We're just sort of like flying through the world to, to see how impressive it is. And there's a lot of similarities to that. And it seems like it'll be really fun to just move through and and attack things in, which, of course, we like in our video games.
3: Yeah. To that point, uh, Tina, maybe the reason it's not catching with people is that the world does look a little bit like a tech demo. It, it's quite empty. It doesn't stand out in a great way. The enemies in particular are also quite generic, I would say. And then the actual premise of a character coming from another world into kind of a fantasy world and there are dragons. It's like, okay, yeah, we've been there, done that. And even to the point where it's an open world action game, once again, like, I think people are looking for the hook. And they might not find it until they actually
4: play. Well, but I would say the character sucked into another world, and now there's dragons. Like I've read that book a million times as a teen, but like I haven't played that game that much. I suppose N- name not. name ten name ten games
3: <laughs> right
1: now. Okay, let's go. <laughs> um, what, so, what else stood out to you guys? Yeah, Sam and Justin.
2: So, I, I mean, I'm I'm actually into Guardians of the Galaxy, although I think the the lead character is distractingly ridiculous looking i forget his name star lord um and uh uh i think this game is just one i really want to play I, I don't know i've heard mixed reactions to it so far but i don't know it seems it's working for me and then there's a little game they showed which i thought was really cool called uh Tichia, i believe it's called it was like it's set on a tropical island and like you can clearly jump into animals is like the that's like the conceit of the game, but. Um, I don't know. Like it looked like a, like getting around and exploring that island looks really cool. Like it looks, I, I like how it looked, and the sea turtle was adorable. And I like the idea of uh, anytime you can just switch to be a bird anytime and explore a game. That's like a next gen thing. Like that's that was hard to do before. And then of course it shows the leaf thing that they have in Zelda, which I like too. I don't know. That could be a sleeper hit for me.
3: Great aesthetic. I really like the look of that game. Like when I was watching the trailer, I was going yeah this could this could resonate I think it could catch on it kind of depends on the reviews maybe like it might be one of those word of mouth kind of hits
1: Justin, anything else we left off that you uh happened to catch nope. <laughs> well, in that case, I'm going to have to mention, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm contracted by my personal opinions to mention mm. any Ghostwire Tokyo comes up. Right. Uh, mm. That it was fun to see that one as well. Um, I think no big news around that one. It, just aside Still from waiting like, it for a release being, date. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was mostly just a story trailer, which was interesting to see. Um, I find it hilarious that we were told in a previous interview that it's not quite a horror game when it looks nothing but. A horror game and yeah. like enemies that have stepped out of Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Doctor Who, uh just with those like mannequin-y, like faceless mm-hmm. looking looking enemies. Um, but it just it's there's a bit of a theme of a lot of uh again, for lack of a better word, just magical powers across a lot of uh these these games that we saw today. And it's just very exciting, all very much my jam. Uh and I was happy to see a little bit more of the story at least from from Ghostwire Tokyo, even if we don't have a whole hell of a lot more details than that at this point out of this showcase. It's it's not just a
3: supernatural game. It's an action game, too. Mm -hmm.
1: There you Mm -hmm. go. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah. I think how powered up your character is is sort of what makes it not a horror game, even though it has that aesthetic about it.
1: Yeah, very true. It kind of makes you a little bit more overpowered. Uh, Um, Well, there is a mm
4: -hmm, go ahead. Oh, I just like I haven't played a Gran Turismo game since three Which, Mm -hmm. which was awesome. Like that game was incredible. Two and three, both were, and like, (laughs) not that the rest of the subsequent games haven't, but like, you know, they just missed me. And so, you know, it feels like a good time. Like I've said on the show before that I buy like one game of Madden and one game of FIFA, every console generation and get my fill for like next five years. And like, it might be time for me to dip back into Gran Turismo and play a little bit more of Mm -hmm. a a semi racing game after, after getting all softened up by Forza Horizon.
3: Gran Turismo is such a weird game to me because it's clearly a super graphics showcase and it has its fans, uh, It, especially among car nuts. But from what I've been able to gather from talking to people in the sim racing community, it's not especially sim, but it is more sim than, say, Forza Horizon or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if it's kind of stuck in this weird middle ground where it obviously has an incredible legacy and incredible heritage, but it's not quite sim enough and it's not quite arcade enough. So you're starting to wonder like, what is the audience for this game outside of nostalgia?
4: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the Forza Motorsport to Forza Horizon (laughs) comparison where like Horizon's crazy, silly. Right. And like you're, you're jumping dune buggies all around the sand. Whereas uh, Motorsport took itself a little bit more seriously and that's Gran Turismo occupies that same space. Um, I, it might be grandfathered in where like, you know, there's enough love and uh, and um, appreciation for that franchise that like people are just happy to see it back. But um, but uh, it does seem to occupy this strange middle ground.
1: Well, a ton of other games uh, on the showcase. So if you guys didn't see it, uh, feel free to check out our roundup of everything that was announced at the show. Check out mm-hmm. all of the trailers that we broke out on our channels tons of other games including radiohead apparently just doing stuff with epic games i thought that was a big surprise i thought
3: that was like (laughs) a silent hill teaser i was like what's
1: going (laughs) on (laughs) we have no idea but it's interesting um so so let's uh let's let's transition away and let's check in with the listeners
4: hey listeners hey
1: uh, we've got a story um, and then a separate question from M.C. Saeed, who comes from Iran. So and then back to nice. English for you guys. <laughs> uh, you know, he says, firstly, I want to congratulate Damon on his second child. They say it is so much easier the second time around. Or is it? And he asked <laughs> me to do a Damon impression. So hopefully I did a good job on that. Uh, that he goes good. on to say thank you. He goes on to say, I found out about the show a few weeks ago, and I have been hooked ever since. After catching up on the new playlist on the IGN Games channel, thank you, and running out of episodes to watch, I went and found the old playlist. I am now at episode 412 and working my way up. Thank you so much for everyone on the entire team for the hours upon hours of laughter, entertainment, and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Uh, speaking of knowledge, something Damon and Sam said on episode 397 really resonated oh God. with me. Do you know what it's going to be? And I no. wanted to share it with the new audience. <laughs> it's going to be Give me about again.
2: Sonic, isn't it? Uh, no,
1: no. It's, it's up your alley. Uh, the gist of it was, we play video games to have fun. You don't have to finish a game. And if it feels like a chore, then it is not working. At the time, I was struggling with whether or not it was right to use a guide to complete a game. As I have been wanting to get all of the GTA V achievements, and since it is an incredibly vast world, it would take forever to find all of the collectibles. What Damon and Sam collectively said about having fun and using guides as a means to enjoy a a game, I took to heart. So thank you both. Nice. No Sonic. So here comes my question. He continues. Uh, Just recently, I spent a week researching the most notable, most memorable video games of the past two decades. I wanted to see what critically acclaimed games were released from 2000 to 2020, and make a collage of 12 of those games per year. I had so much fun doing this, and I posted uh, the results in a thread on Twitter. My question is: What is your all-time favorite year in the gaming industry, and why? Before or after 2000? Uh, he says, for instance, <laughs> Ryan McCaffrey stated on the 500th episode of Unlocked that his favorite Xbox year is 2007 because it gave us Assassin's Creed, the first Portal, (laughs) Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Mass Effect, which I know Justin loves, he says, and so many more. Um, So before I turn the question around to us, uh, he finishes off with saying, my favorite year would be 2004. This is when GTA San Andreas came out, Splinter Cell Pandora Tomorrow, uh, Prince of Persia Warrior Within, and Half-Life 2, all of which rank very high in my list of games.
3: Great year. 2004 Mm -hmm. was a fantastic year.
1: I was doing my research, and it turns out many many years are fantastic years. It's it's hard <laughs> to pick between them. There's a general consensus to, to kick off with some thoughts. There's a bit of a general consensus that like 1998, or like a little bit of debate, like is it 1998, 1997, 1999? But pretty much like the latter years of the 90s, uh, you know, pushing up against the 2000s that really ushered in a you know new generation, like literally a new generation of console gaming. Mm-hmm. I and with it many great games.
3: I think people think a lot about like what, what games came out in this particular year, and it becomes kind of a, like, wow, 98 was just a murderer's row of games. 2001, what an incredible year. I'm kind of fascinated by 1999, because that was the year that the Dreamcast came out. That was the year that Final Fantasy VIII came out. We were getting wonderful little games like Free Space 2, which is one of my all-time favorite space flight sims. and To me, 1999 was the end of an era. It was the end of a console era because the Dreamcast was the last true arcade console, I want to say. It was the last of that particular line of consoles that would harken back directly to arcades. After the Dreamcast, the PS2 and the Xbox would be much more PC-based, and that would be how things would go from there on. So it was a changing of the guard in 1999, but what a year, what a launch the Dreamcast, one of the best launches of all time. It just exploded out of the gate with all this color and wonder and excitement between Sonic Adventure and Soul Calibur and Crazy Taxi. Such wonderful, wonderful games. And it was such a vibrant ecosystem for games at that time, too, between the consoles like the, the Wonder Swan and the Neo Geo Pocket and like all kinds of crazy things. There was a real spirit of inventiveness at that time. You just so many surprises. And so I look back on 1999 really fondly, and it's on a personal level, too, because that was the year that I got back into console gaming because I was I got a Super Nintendo from a friend after I'd been mainly playing PC games up to that point. And so 1999 was when I was catching up on all of the games I had missed, like Final Fantasy VI and Metal, uh, Metal Gear Solid and everything. So lots of super fond memories from that time. <laughs>
2: Yes, shall saying.
0: I go yeah.
3: yeah
2: all right so I think for I, I chose um a, a year that I well, I would couldn't even have possibly played video games in 1982 uh, you know way before my time uh, i I am very into uh, the arcade as a kind of a cultural moment and not just the arcade but like gas stations airports everywhere you would go in 1982, there were arcade machines and it was, you know, it was it was uh, the first time that video games were accessible by everybody. They cost a quarter. Um, everybody played them. They were in every part of you know, the United States, at least. And then a lot of other countries, too, um, they, everywhere you turned, you, you could play a video game. Uh, and I think that's a really neat era. Um, video games, I think, became less accessible after that. They became PCs and consoles that were expensive. And that was a time in which, you know, that, that anybody could try and play. In fact, to this day, usually when you talk to somebody that is older than you and, and you ask them about if they've had an experience with video games, there's a really good chance they'll say something like, yeah, I played Pac-Man or Donkey Kong or something like that. Um, those are the games that touch the most people. And I think that's a really interesting era for games. And then I think game design was just exploding and amazing. It was all to get your quarter in two <laughs> and a half minutes. But that made people be creative, and I think there is a, a really cool, uh, you know, development scene here in Northern California at, at Atari and uh, at Activision. And then in Japan, We fight, that was the first time that games came over from Japan and were just <coughs> immensely popular in the United States. You know, Donkey Kong started, you know, uh, storytelling in games. Before that, there just wasn't any semblance of storytelling outside of X adventures on PC. So that's that's the year that really strikes me as interesting. Now, um, I'll say one more thing. Um it took me all it took a lot of work for me to learn about that year, right? Like I, I've spent a lot of time now, you know, collecting and operating arcade machines, but before that, just like finding ports online and playing old collections of stuff and learning about it. And that history was just like super cool to learn. And honestly, there's years like 1999 that Cat was talking about. That I don't know anything about. I didn't play any games really at that time. I took a break, and I wasn't playing many games. I never played a Dreamcast, you know. So like that's a that's an era which I'm really interested in going back and researching. And you shouldn't have any shame about that. And if you have any interest in that stuff, you should go back and, and try to figure out cheap, easy ways to access all those games and and find an arcade near you. That's my rant.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, Sam, I'm really glad you brought up the early 80s because I feel like because it was so long ago at this point, it's become kind of lost to history, but there's so many like fascinating things happening around that time. You talk, you go back to Japanese developers, they will, so many of a certain generation will say that space invaders changed my life, right? Mm-hmm. And that was right around the early 80s. And meanwhile, over on the PC, you had people like Richard Garriott who were basically homebrew developers coming up with series like Ultima and everything that would have such a ridiculous impact on how RPGs and games today that we know them today, games like Ultima four, which came out a few years later, like it is absurd. The amount of ambition that they were pouring into these games, on personal computers that had like 128 kilobytes of Ram. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so had fantastic, fascinating time to be getting into video games.
4: Yeah. Selling those games in Ziploc baggies, too, and ship mailing them all around the country. Yeah, the floppies. Um, You both have much more thoughtful (laughs) answers to this question (laughs) than I do. No, like mine's a much more traditional like I thought about it. It's got to be 2007 for me, which is, you know, it's a very common like that's not an unusual answer. But like you want to talk about a murderer's row of games like. Mm -hmm. You had bioshock which you know i know the franchise doesn't have quite the cachet now in 2021 but the original bioshock was an absolutely revelatory game that got under your skin and was talked about for you know a decade um the original mass effect orange box which was the debut of portal and half-life 2 episode 2 um the first uncharted uh, you know super mario galaxy Call of Duty 4, which, you know, I don't consider myself much of a Call of Duty guy anymore, but like I was there for a hot second and that game absolutely took over the world. Um, and Assassin's Creed. So, Mm -hmm. you know, pound for pound console for console. I'm not sure that 2007 has ever been ever been topped in terms of just pure, just like every single month, there was another thing to play. Um, and for me personally, like I was an adult, I was in my early twenties and like, you know, I I didn't have any money at all, but like, but I wasn't a teen anymore. And so I didn't have to like, well, I guess I'll put this on my Christmas list. Like if there was a video game I wanted to buy, like, you know, I had a job, like I could go buy video games. And so that was also a really good feeling of like being able to be out on my own and have my own place. And there's amazing video games coming out every month that I can spend, you know, I can, I can spend my bartender money on at the time. Um, (laughs)
3: You're a bartender. That's great.
4: Yeah, at, at a country music line dancing bar. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, true. That's that's actually. You know? I, I know it sounds like a two truths and a lie thing, but that's completely true. Hmm. Um, I,
3: th- I think 2017 might ha- it, it might have top- come close to topping 2007 because I mean we got Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. It's just an incredible one-two punch with uh, yeah. the Nintendo Switch launching that year. The Switch just exploded out of the gate. We got Nier Automata. It was there was so much good stuff to play. That was definitely the best year in recent memory, I think.
1: Yeah. I was going to bring up mm. 2017, too, because there's there's a bit of 2007 vibes, you know, Ace of yeah. Origins um, released mm-hmm. in 2017. We also had Super Mario Odyssey, but yeah, the Switch was such a big uh, push for that year. And it was it was one of the first times that we saw a lot of heavy hitters in like the earlier months of the year um, where normally they're like stacked at the end. And that sort of set off a new mm-hmm. trend where like we're just used to great games coming out every month now. Yeah. Uh, we're we're very spoiled, but 2007 you can't go wrong with 2007, Justin, just like you That's said. Totally not. No. Um, I think the only games uh, that weren't mentioned by by either MC Said or yourself about 2000. Well, I guess Ryan um, and yourself about 2007 were Halo 3 and Super mm. Mario Galaxy that I kind of put in on that year as, as Halo 3, the- also. Mirror's Edge. Wow. Yeah, I, I, oh I yeah, yeah. man,
4: yeah. yeah. Halo 3 is probably. Halo 3 might think, be my most played video game of all time. Like I think I played I think I played like 3,000 matches of multiplayer. Like that was that was the only multiplayer game in my entire life where like it became a part of my like every night, let's sit down and play Halo 3 until it's time to go to bed. Like that's never happened to me before or since.
2: I mean, even the beta. I, that was one of the yep. most played mm-hmm. games for me of all time. <laughs> I played the heck out of that beta. Yep.
3: That was the year that the 360 and the PS3 really truly mm-hmm. came into their own. I was living in Japan at the time, and I had not seen next-gen basically at all. I was still playing Nintendo DS. I was playing Wii for the most part. And then I saw Bioshock for the first time, yep. and I could mm-hmm. not believe what I was looking at, how crystal clear it looked on HD screens, the, the scope of being in the water, then turning toward and looking at that lighthouse and kind of going onto the rocky shore. It was I've had only a few truly mind-blowing experiences when playing a game, and that was one of them for sure.
4: I think I may have told the story on GameScoop before, but halfway through Bioshock is when I got my first HD TV. So like I played the first half of that game in SD and then plugged in my mm-hmm. widescreen, you know, 720p TV and was like, holy shit. <laughs> like <laughs> it just it was just unbelievable like the, just the difference in visual fidelity going from like a tiny square TV to like a big, you know, higher res rectangular TV. And, 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 you know, Kat, you're right. I also think it's become like a meme and a joke, but like, I actually didn't know that it was gameplay at the start of the game. Like you're playing crashes you you're in the water. And I'm like, what? Like, this is real. Oh Yeah. When you
2: first have to press forward or whatever, you're just mm-hmm. waiting. while well, the fire is burning in the water, it's crazy.
3: Yeah. I, I think I, warfare was another one too. Like, Seeing that the mushroom cloud, uh, mm-hmm. and then you die. Yep. I, like, okay, I, I'm not that big of a fan of Call of Duty these days, but Modern Warfare back in 2007, its campaign was as tight and as enjoyable and a- action packed as anything I have ever played. That game just completely blew my mind back in 2007.
4: Yep.
1: Uh, one yeah. more year that I feel that I have to I have to represent for, um especially when we're talking about Halo, is two thousand one, uh for original mm. Halo. Uh and I, I I personally have to mention it because it's also the year that Final Fantasy X came out. Um mm. and anytime I have to answer the dreaded question of what's your favorite video game of all time, my reflexive answer is Final Fantasy Ten. So. That's the
3: one. 2001. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Is it yeah. Yuna? Like who who's your favorite character?
1: Um Oh, that's tough. Um, they're all great. Like I guess Titus, by nature of the fact that you know he's yours, but I renamed him um, to my brother's name, so like I'll always know him as my brother, I guess. Um, but you know, he's he's at the core of all of those relationships. So that's it's my cheat answer to say you get a little bit of everybody when you get when you select him.
3: What do you think of Final <laughs> Fantasy X? Two, are you in on that game?
1: I've never great. played it.
3: What do uh, you oh think? Oh my god, it? You so good. have to play it,
4: Tina.
1: You have to play it. <laughs> That's um, what, it's not what I've heard. 10 lovers tell me. Yeah, exactly.
4: <laughs> in, uh, in 2007, I had just moved to San Francisco. I hadn't been here very long. I, well, actually, I didn't. I lived in Foster City. And um, one of the very first press events I went to in the city was Call of Duty 4. Like, you know, come up, mm. you know, come play. It wasn't like a big fancy thing. It was like, come play it in this hotel. You, you know, it's a preview event. And I drove up, parked my car, played the game. It was amazing. You know, Captain Price is shouting at me. And then when I go out, my car had been towed. And so so then it ended up being some like you know two hundred and fifty dollar press event to like go, and then it it was some boondoggle and took like the rest of the day to go get my car back. Um, Was
2: it street cleaning? uh,
4: I I think I just famous
2: scourge of San Francisco streets.
4: (laughs) I was I was a little bit of like an Iowa boy, and you know I'd been in California for a little bit, but down in Foster City, which is sleepier, and I think I just didn't know. I was like, there's a million and one parking rules at the spot that I parked. I'm like, this is fine. And then I got out and left my car, and then it was gone. Dog
3: sips coffee and under a fire. This is fine. Yeah. For
2: a city that's, like, completely vertical hills, it's pretty amazing how efficient towing happens here. It's like, <laughs> how did you get my car at all, let alone in the past 45 minutes, onto a flatbed and out of here? It's amazing. But also, like...
1: There are like five signs. Two of them contradict the other three. Like it's it's yep. all a very convoluted puzzle that you have to yeah. sit and figure out. That's exactly. Like, and then they
2: put those temp exactly- signs down where they're like, none of these rules matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From, yeah. yeah from like- seven p.m. to nine a.m., you're like, well, why is it overnight? I don't even. What does that's, that yeah. Yeah. mean? Or does it mean exactly the, the third
1: Tuesday of the second month of the year on the like yeah. you know fifth hour of the day, but only on daylight savings time? Like it's very it's very confusing. That's <laughs> what it was. It was like
4: was They're like going to you to can park you. here. You can park here, except for this Tuesday, and like that's the day yeah. that it was. So I'm like, yeah. Mm. And then, um, as much yep. as I like Call of Duty for Modern Warfare, it was not worth the 250 dollars excursion to.
1: <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Especially for a preview, out. just the preview, not even the full game. <laughs> yeah,
4: I wonder. I wonder if I could, in hindsight, maybe I should have expensed that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you should have done. Uh, well, our our next uh, listener question comes from Jacob. Uh, he's a longtime listener, first time emailer. Um, he says my older brother and I were playing Gears of War split screen on the 360 when it was originally released years ago. And we were on the final sprint as such. The game was throwing everyone and everything at us. The um, the two of us just battling along. I had the shotgun standard weapon choice, but this enemy ran at my brother and I shot him at the same time my brother punched him unaware of my actions. (laughs) The enemy exploded as a result of the shotgun blast that my brother was still oblivious to. My brother turned around and looked at me in absolute joy, shouting, Did you see that? I just super-punched him. We both howled with laughter, and then I told him what actually happened, and we laughed even harder. Split-screen games uh, were fantastic growing up, and I feel games strayed away from this. So my question is, do you guys have any stories like this that brought you closer as friends and family, and do you miss split-screen gaming?
3: Yeah, yeah. No, I don't miss split-screen <laughs> gaming, because I don't think <laughs> it ever truly left us. I play a lot of Stardew Valley. <laughs> with nice. my partner to this day so that's good. Cool. i um you know today we are recording on september 9th and it is the 22nd anniversary of the sega dreamcast and i tweeted that the dreamcast was how i met my partner because nice. we played many 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 rounds of soul caliber in college and that I have a lot of fond memories of that. My soul still burns uh, for Soul Calibur. <laughs> also, Marvel vs. Capcom too. Like honestly, the Dreamcast playing couch co-op couch games on the Dreamcast got me through college. So that um I I still to this day I enjoy just hanging out and playing video games with friends, whether it's competitive, cooperative, whatever. And honestly, there need to be more games that support it because there is kind of a weird meme among developers like nobody plays on the couch. It's like look at all these people who just hang out and play FIFA or whatever. I mean, there's somebody who still wants to play with <laughs> their friends in the same room.
4: Um, yeah, it will, a game like FIFA, like a sports game. It, it is a technical challenge, not to be too much of a bummer, but like, you can't re- it's hard to make a split singing game like GoldenEye Now, like that's why fighting games and sports games are so perfect. Cause they don't have to try to duplicate everything that's on the screen, you know, two X. Um, yeah, you know, I have the same stories. every everybody playing a million hours of GoldenEye with my friends after school instead of doing our homework and Smash. But um, I do split-screen gaming with my daughters now, and it's awesome. You know, wow. we, we played through... I, I've talked about it on the show before. We had a ton of fun playing Sackboy and um, playing through Mario 3D World. And then, you know, Mario Odyssey is single player, but we sort of played that game cooperatively, too. And um, it's a really nice way that we bond and spend time together.
3: Mario 3D World almost ended my friendship because we were playing the four player and they kept yeah, doing yeah. things like picking me up and throwing me off the ledge those
4: yeah. are jerks i do it's not playable with four players no not in any real way but i do like and appreciate that you can like when we when there was a hard part of the game i could literally pick her up and carry her through it and then Aww. just like and then she would ask me she's like oh like can you get me and i'd pick her up and like and carry her across and then put her down and then we would keep going on our little adventure and that felt good
2: Um, So I never I I, my friends didn't play video games, so I uh, always had, you know, close friends that would come over and I'd be like, here's a game that you might like. And it was always, you know, it was retro games for a long time. And we played a lot of Tetris Attack and Dr. Mario, Tetris and Dr. Mario on Super Nintendo, like into the 2000s. I really like those. And the Busta move was a really popular one. But after that, I realized that Mario Party was like super perfect for friends that don't play video games And it set, you know, I had friends that got so into Mario Party, like four, five, six, seven, uh, that kind of GameCube era um, that, you know, that was probably years of like social hanging out with a couple of different groups that like would come over and they had their their set characters. We got into Cart also, but like and, you know, that was, I think, more accessible, but like the accessibility of Mario Party, even if it was for me, I was like, you know, this is a little a little bit boring it was the friendship that was the fun part and people participating and learning about games and of course those have like 100 games in them right so it's like people and they would introduce little elements of like shooters and strategy games and stuff like that and, and references to other stuff I it was just such a perfect thing to play with friends and i i never had the i never had the uh the golden eye experience so i had a little bit of perfect dark a little bit of jet force gemini but my friends didn't want to play that stuff they just they're just like they didn't want to spend the time learning, you know, analog sticks and stuff like that. It sounds crazy. But that's just who that's just who my friends were. So, I was really really happy that I've had very very fond memories of split screen, casual games. And every time something came out that looked like it would work for that group or another group of casual friends I had, we tried. I mean, the Wii was a huge hit for that reason, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Star Wars was another one on that front because it didn't die. You would just yep. lose the studs, and you mm-hmm. could just go and explore these hilarious worlds with your your friends who maybe don't play a lot of video games, but, you know, can just kind of go around hitting the buttons, enjoying the stupid story, the goofy story, and the humor and everything, and collecting things, collecting many, many, many things. And LEGO Star Wars kind of just really nailed that component of it.
1: Yeah, it feels like um, split screen and and in general multiplayer games really either... Bring you together or tear you apart, mm. depending on yeah. the context. <laughs> um, my story is actually of a single-player game because I think that, um, in general, like I, I, love the experience of playing with friends, but I also like those games that can be watched as well. Like Until Dawn is one of those that really comes to mind, where someone can feel like they're participating um, in a split-screen environment without it actually being one. But uh, mine is Red Dead Redemption, um, which is not not the multiplayer or anything like that. Uh, just from the single-player campaign, um, I was playing. With my brother. Um, I forget actually who was even playing because this was so many years ago. But uh, there was a scene where you're supposed to be eavesdropping on two of these bandits or or something. And you're supposed to wait at a certain mark behind a rock. Um, So I hop off my horse. I think I was the one that was playing. I hop off my horse. Come to the, to the rock and I'm, you know, being all careful and I, I don't even want like my character model to be seen to be clipping out from around the, the rock, even though I know it doesn't make any difference, um, development wise. <laughs> like I'm sure they've accounted for, you know, minor nudges here and there. Um, meanwhile, not only do they account for that, apparently, uh, there's a, cause you know, there's the, just dynamic weather in the game. And so it just happens to be a thunderstormy day all of a sudden. Um, and my horse is neighing and freaking out because they don't love the, the thunder and the lightning. And he's like really just like jumping up into the air. Um, and then starts going down the hill, the hill that I'm at the top of to eavesdrop on these people. And he's just like wandering right into their conversation, <laughs> like navigating around them, like still <laughs> screeching out into the air. And it was just, it was the most hilarious. Like you kind of had to be there situation but my brother and I were just hysterical laughing and it's just those those little moments that you can share side by side whereas you know if if this was a multiplayer game and we were playing um you know digitally uh remotely and we were on the headset I'm sure it still would have been a funny experience but who knows like what angle he might have been looking at from and it's just to have that like identical experience side by side with one Mm -hmm. another it's it's a makes a different impact for sure
2: did the NPCs just completely ignore the horse invasion? They
1: completely ignored it. It was the most ridiculous thing. I was a little bit worried that they'd be like, what is this? Like, what's happening? Is somebody hiding around here? But, I, you know, oh, the jig was not games. up. I, yeah, exactly. Everything was fine. So <laughs> maybe they just thought it was a wild horse. <laughs> it practically trampled all over them.
2: It was great. I love that.
1: Well... It is time, guys, for 20 questions. Um, Before I kick it off, I just want to tell listeners, um, so many of you guys sent so many good suggestions. (laughs) I will probably use another one for next week. Um, Keep them coming if you got them. Uh, But I just wanted to quickly note that a lot of people actually sent their game selections alongside some, like, cheat sheet notes for me, which I thought was just incredibly sweet. I think you guys are getting onto the fact that I'm all about my notes. So thank you for that. Uh, But yes, but this week's suggestion... Comes from Ryan W, uh, location unknown. So make of that what you will. But let the just question curious. begin.
4: Oh, I I like knowing the location. How do I know if it's a if it's a ZX Spectrum game now? Yeah,
1: I know, for real. I know exactly. You're just going to have to go with that handicap, unfortunately. Hey, can
2: y'all start sending Damon <laughs> notes about whether something's 2D or 3D? Because I'm getting really <laughs> tired of that not being answered correctly.
1: <laughs> He's just gotten the hang of it lately. He's good.
2: <laughs> okay. So 20 questions, yeah. huh? We only mm-hmm. have 20 to ask, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, All technically right. 19, but yeah. <laughs>
4: Darn it. Mm.
2: Okay, so is this from before 2000?
4: No. Is it, can you play this game on the Nintendo Switch?
2: Mm, no. Our bookends. We need, we need like a shirt. That says, this is from the 2000 front end, <laughs> <laughs> and you play it on the Switch on the back.
1: <laughs> That's perfect, actually. We just keep coming up with these genius shirt ideas. I wonder if there's somebody who can help us with that.
2: It's in the Game Scoop shirt wiki. <laughs> um, what do we got?
3: Where should we go? Does it have multiplayer? Uh, no. Um. Mm. Single-player game can't be played on the Nintendo Switch. Came out after the 2000s. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah. Okay.
4: Okay. Okay. Um, um, is this game um, was this game exclusive to one console at the time it came out? Yes. Is this
2: game from the PS4 generation or later?
1: Uh, let me refresh my memory. Um I the
4: Yes. Ex- wait, so yes it was an exclusive. We're moving so fast. Wait. Exclusive. It
1: was so to your question, Justin was yes. And then yeah. um Sam was also you said it was was it of the PS4 generation, so that's also a yes.
3: Okay. I said or later, but yeah. Or l- okay. yeah. So, single player game, it's an a console exclusive, it came out in the PS4 generation. So probably a PlayStation game like Horizon Zero Dawn or something. Is it an open world
1: game? Um.
4: But well, we don't, don't do we, we don't know it's a PS4 game yet, though, right? We just know it's a. No, console. I'm guessing
3: because no offense to Xbox, but not a lot of console exclusives came out on the Xbox
4: One. <laughs> Whoa, that's true. There was that Tomb Raider game. Uh, i
1: so Kat. Uh, that was your question. I'm going to say no yeah. for open world
4: not an open world game. Was this game developed in Japan?
3: No. Oh boy. Western game.
4: So we need Was this
2: on the PlayStation 4?
4: Yeah. No. Oh, see that's what we that's oh, what no. not on the Switch. Yeah. It could be not. on Wii U.
3: Practically everything Xbox. on the Wii U came out RDS. on the Switch though at this point.
4: Well, but RDS. the que- the question was was it exclusive at the time it came out? Like, the assumption is it's been ported to yeah. other stuff later.
3: Right, but I'm saying that basically everything that has ever come out on the Wii U is now on the Switch. Oh, Like, I can't think of right. actually anything that is still in a, a Wii U exclusive at this point. But yeah. there were lots of 3DS games. They're yeah,
4: there's still... That's still, true, that's there's, true. There's, there's still the sad Nintendo Land, but you're Vita. Right. R- It could r- be r- a
1: Vita you... game. It could be a Vita <laughs>
4: game. It should just be evil.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Did Jared yeah. send in?
1: Um... <laughs> Ryan W,
4: location unknown. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's not Jared's a PS4 house. game. We, we know that much. We got we got another console. We got to get the console down. But I'm gonna. I'm, it's probably not Wii U because it's not made in Japan. And like, how many Western? I mean, I guess there was Zombie U, but like, not very many Western Wii U exclusives. Not
3: many. 6. Not many Western many games U. on the 3DS either. Um. Okay. So right. So it's not Japanese. So it's Xbox. probably an Xbox game.
4: Is this an Xbox? One exclusive at the time it was released.
1: Um, I'm gonna say yes.
3: Okay, what? okay so it was an Xbox One game.
4: Okay, or, but not does
3: Rise of the Tomb Raider count as a mm-hmm. console mm-hmm. Uh,
4: as an open world game? No, uh, no, I would say no. I, it's sort of. I think so. It's like hub and spoke. I don't know. I mean, I, so not true. Not a true it's, open world game. No, you don't it's have a
2: single. Any- it's a single map.
3: Wow. Well, Is this game a sequel? No. Okay, well there you go. So,
2: so the okay. first Tomb Raider
3: reboot came out on
4: 360. The the I the don't mi-
3: remember at this point. The, I it, thought I it thought was, it came out on PS4.
4: It was a big controversy. The Tomb Raider reboot was multi-platform and then Microsoft bought exclusivity for the sequel for, you know, however long, for 6 months or 12 months and then it was ported over. But it's it's not that cuz it's not a sequel. What um, if it's like Sunset Overdrive? That's what I'm thinking. So, um it's an Xbox One exclusive, not made in Japan. Was this game developed by a, at the time, a Microsoft owned studio? Mm. If it's probably Sunset Overdrive. No. No.
1: Yeah. Oh, what What's is Insomniac? happening? <laughs> There's something <laughs> happening.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. Insomniac no. owned by. Nope, they were independent. They were independent. It's probably Sunset Overdrive was this game was this game made by Insomniac?
1: No.
4: Shit. Oh. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Back to square one. Well, but not quite. So, uh, Xbox 1 exclusive but not made by Microsoft and not made in Japan and not a sequel be- and not a sequel so it can't be Tomb Raider. There's
2: plenty or- of Connect games.
4: Yeah. Oh god. Could be Well, yeah, but it's not so but it can't be a rare Kinect game because they were owned by Microsoft. But yeah, there are yeah. other ones. There was there was oh the god. there was that weird Star Wars one from EA. There was um, there was the there was the dance one. You remember the Star Wars dancing one?
3: Yeah. Oh my god. What, yes. What about the um uh enslaved, oh, enslaved was
2: a three sixty game though? Yeah.
3: Three
4: sixty? Okay. Is this a, is yeah. this game known for being like yeah, a Xbox One did game?
3: not have a lot of exclusives, guys?
4: No. <laughs> was this a was this known for being like a kinect enabled game? Is that like no. something
3: out no, so it's not a connect game oh, i'm racking my brains trying to think of xbox one games at this point so maybe it would help to narrow down the year mm-hmm. um so the xbox one came out in 2013 how do you know that how and... do you how do you
4: just have that stuff
3: accessible in your <laughs> brain
1: <laughs> she's wikipedia in a yeah. brain. i think about i think about Archonaut's
3: background i think about years a lot um oh man, not, <laughs> not me Okay, so if we can narrow down the year, I'm curious, like, they were making a big push with the Xbox One X circa, like, 2017, I want to say. Did it come out before 2017? Yes. Okay, so... It's even
2: more unusual. It's even more unusual that there's a game from there. Was it a launch Uh, game?
3: mm, No. Well, it's not a launch game. Oh, I have this giant blank spot now in my memory of, like, I mean, Xbox One exclusives prior to what, 2017. I wish I knew. Tina, are you counting the questions? What question are we on?
1: Uh, we just hit 15. Ooh. I should have wow. said that. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean... It, what's it?
2: it
3: be, wait a minute. A Microsoft. What if it was, like, an uh, in, in, in indie game, like Ori or something? It, yeah.
2: yeah, a Microsoft-published indie game. Exactly.
3: Like a Metroidvania or something like that? Mm-hmm um what's the question
4: that's that's on switch though right but it wasn't at. or he is on
3: switch oh god it is oh but yeah but i wouldn't mind knowing if it was a cuphead Cuphead?
4: okay but cuphead came out in
3: 2017 i think 20 maybe 2018 it came out a little bit later
2: not not open world technically i don't think either no definitely not but i mean this isn't an open world game so
3: oh i thought it was an open world game No, no it's not she said no okay
2: Okay, then we're, we're, we're is good it, here.
4: Is this an indie game? Nope. Great.
3: Well, 16. not an
4: indie game. I wish so, I knew, like, did Ubisoft make some Xbox about? One exclusive, like, I don't think EA or Activision yes, would. probably.
2: Yeah, yeah it would probably be Ubisoft. Well, what about, uh, Did should we just ask if Microsoft published this game? Would that help in any way?
3: Sure, let's do it.
4: Because
2: that would make it, I mean...
4: That doesn't help me. Like we eliminated all the Kinect stuff. I don't know. It was one of the. Was one of the Dead Islands or Dead Zombie games an Xbox exclusive? Some something, some zombie something.
3: Yeah, potentially, but those are open world. Oh. What about a racing oh. game like Gran Turismo. No, it's multi, it's a single player game. Yeah. The sequel thing is driving me crazy because there's also Dead Rising.
1: Hmm.
2: said that was in Japan though. Yeah, what's, and it was a what's sequel. sequel
1: thing. That that oh, was, does, because I said it, it wasn't was not a sequel. A sequel. Okay. What about just Forza yeah.
3: Horizon? Forza Horizon was Xbox 360. But
2: Really? That wasn't. Yeah,
4: they've been around. They've been around that long. Yeah, it was yeah. Forza Horizon 2 that came out on Xbox One the first time. I also ah. I don't know is Turn 10 and Indies is are they or does Microsoft Sorry, Microsoft Studio. Maybe they were yeah, I think independent. They're owned by Microsoft. Yeah. Maybe they got picked up at some point.
3: What about this? What about okay? Does Miller Shadow? No, Shadow
4: Mordor was also multi-platform.
3: Everything came out on all of the consoles <laughs> at this time. There's,
4: there's not Seriously. that many. There's not that many Xbox One exclusives that are wow. not Microsoft made.
2: Or sequels. What, what about the EA?
3: There's sometimes there's EA published indies. There's the one. Wait a minute. What about Titanfall? Great. It's not a launch game. It was an exclusive for Xbox at the time. Mm-hmm. It's not what a you, sequel. It's multiplayer, multiplayer was it? though. Oh, no.
4: Why did Titanfall not come out on PS4?
3: Was it was exclusivity. You know. oh, okay.
4: I mean,
3: it came out on uh, Xbox 360, though.
4: Yeah. What about it, like the kiddie end
2: of games? Like, um, The Xbox would have tried that work. Connect.
4: They were all, I can't think of any that weren't like the weird connect river rafting thing or different thing,
3: yeah. Because at the time, Microsoft was all in on unconnect, uh, which uh, kind of was famously their and on, undoing. On oh, um,
4: oh, 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 what about the one from what about the remedy game? The one that had a show, the tie in show the 30 minutes.
3: Oh, what was it? It was by Quantic Dream, right? Yeah, um, um, it, not Detroit, no, not Detroit, become human.
4: The uh, the the quantum something quantum break quantum break it's, quantum break. it's totally quantum break. Uh, how I don't know how to that's made by remedy right?
3: No, I think it was made by somebody else, wasn't it? Or was it by remedy? I don't know. It was- I just remember that circa 2013. Remedy confirmed.
4: They're so they're think- like going. Did this game have? Did this game have a weird? This tie was going to have
3: the TV show tie-in.
1: Yeah,
4: <laughs> it, but it had it. It's on the game disc. Did did this game have a weird TV show tie-in thing that you could watch? Yes. Is it Quantum Break?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
4: Wow. Oh my god. Oh, that gosh. was a really good one.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Congratulations, guys! You got you got it in seventeen. And- I was Thank trying you. not to break my smile when Justin was like, "Wait a minute! What about that remedy game? I knew you were onto it, yeah. Justin." <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> was, was to... that a
2: coincidence that uh, that we that somebody wrote in about a remedy game, and then we had it for this episode?
1: So, they Ryan actually wrote in with Alan Wake remastered announced the meta suggestion yeah. would be Quantum Break, and uh, ah, yeah, Ryan knows I like to play the meta, so there it is.
2: Perfect! That was so well done. Yeah, very yeah. right.
3: good theme.
1: Good was so done.
2: Yeah, good job,
1: guys.
3: Did you guys to play the like... game?
4: Oh, heck no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I played it. That game was great. That was no. that, that might be my favorite What's remedy it? game.
3: That's- I remember it being kind of like Alan Wake having some development troubles and taking a while to actually come out. And then the TV tie in thing kind of dropped away. But I remember when it came out, it came out to reasonably good reviews, but mm-hmm. it. As you can see, like it's not extremely well remembered because yeah. we're going oh, Xbox exclusives, trying to just go through our collective memory banks, remembering the thing. Yeah,
1: hilariously, it made a, a brief record um, following the Xbox One launch. Uh, three years later, it set a record for them in terms of sales. Which, because I was trying really? to look up, and in case you guys mm-hmm. hit me with the reception or you know, was yeah. it well received? Did it do well? Question. And yeah, reviews were a little. Po- more leaning positive but certainly with its criticisms i
4: i, I really like quantum break I, like it's not it's not like a 10 out of 10 but i gave it an 8 which is great on our scale and i i think mm-hmm. i agree like that's that's a great game like it's not a game of the year candidate but um it was really unique and had a fun and interesting storyline and i thought it gelled better than alan wake did um all right bye I, I haven't thought about that game in a long time, so maybe mm-hmm. maybe uh, not super memorable, but like now that it's back in my... percolating up in my brain, I'm like, I totally enjoyed my time with Quantum Break. I wonder if it's on Game Pass.
1: It's a really unique premise to try to incorporate um so it was published by microsoft studios and it was a really unique premise Mm -hmm. and they were they were attracted to so at the time remedy wanted to pitch alan wake um but they were more attracted to the sort of like transmedia thing like this could be interesting like a new way of exploring video games but i think it just never picked up and people weren't either invested in one or the other and so it wasn't that sort of connected universe that they were hoping for um tristan in our review uh really praised it uh eight out of ten as justin said i think his one major criticism was just that you're sort of overwhelmed with time manipulating powers right at the start and so there isn't that sort of natural progression and pace throughout the game and i think it probably threw a lot of players i only made it a few hours into the game myself
4: the, the game is on game pass so oh. transmedia yeah,
1: media.
3: Go?
4: Go, go ahead
1: how was the uh, show Um, I don't know. I didn't watch the show. That's
3: the problem. Yeah. Justin, did you watch
4: it at all? (laughs) I only played the game. (laughs) I skipped skipped the show tie-in stuff.
3: Yep. Mm. Back when Xbox was going to be a TV box, it's going to be a cable box. Going to dominate your entertainment center. Microsoft. So was the Wii U, if I recall correctly. Yeah.
1: Honestly, my, my Series X dominates my entertainment center. I will watch all of my streaming platforms on there. Yep, That's true, things. but
2: I don't have an HDMI cable going into it like they were
1: thinking. No. <laughs> there you go. Well, that is all the scoops that we have for you today. Uh, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Justin. And thank you, Alan, for working behind the scenes. Don't forget that you can email Damon and none of the rest of us at gamescoop <laughs> at IGN.com with topics and more suggestions for our next 20 questions selection. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out.